Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. Sarah Shaw here with another episode of Get a Street Smart MBA. And I'm really excited. I'm here today with Lauren Parker, who is the editor-in-chief of Accessories Magazine. And I um, have been friends with Lauren and known her for many, many, too many years now. And mm-hmm. she actually was the first editor to ever put one of my handbags in a magazine and really helped me put my handbag company on the map. And so we're going to talk about Accessories Magazine and what it is and how to pitch and what editors are looking for, so you guys can all sound super savvy when it's your turn. So welcome, Lauren. Really glad you're here. Yeah, thank you. Street Smart MBA, I like that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Hey, that's what I got. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So let's talk a little bit, because not everybody might not know what Accessories Magazine is, since it's a magazine for the trade and not necessarily on every magazine stand, and it's not, you know, like buying... Elle or Mary Claire. So can you talk a little bit about what it is and, and what, what, the, what it's kind of famous and known for? Sure. So Accessories Magazine, which actually now is just a, a digital platform, which is pretty recent, but as, as a print magazine, is actually over 108 years old. And it's one of the original trade magazines in the fashion industry. And a trade magazine, for people who might not know, it's B2B. It's business to business. So whereas a consumer magazine like Vogue or Marie Claire would tell people what to buy for their closets, a trade magazine is really telling retailers, retail buyers what to buy for their store. So we are presenting things that aren't even in stores yet. We're giving the stores trends of what they should buy. We're turning them on to new designers. We're giving them articles about retail, about business. Um, Now, you know, with e-commerce, which is really a relatively new thing in the grand scheme of, you know, retailing over 100 years, you know, just telling people how to maximize things like that, Um, talking about social media, you know, there's just so much. So... Um, Now it's accessoriesmagazine.com, and we do a newsletter um, three days a week. We blast out to 20,000 people in the industry, mostly retail buyers, but also, you know, all the designers and people in the industry will want to read it as well. And we we kind of focus a lot on emerging designers because, again, stores – you know, they kind of know what a lot of the the big guys are doing, and we'll do it more – inspirational will certainly show trend reports of what's coming down the runway because that really does have a big impact. But we're also trying to find um, new indie designers because one of the big things we hear from stores is they want new and they want different. So, you know, like I said, it's really a mix of of business articles, trend reporting, retail profiles, all that fun stuff. Yeah, and it's really fun to read because I read it every time I get an email. And of course, I have, I have people come over to my house and 
seen my copies. You know, I still have probably the last right. couple years of, of magazines sitting in a basket. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a magazine that did this. <laughs> um, People don't know. I mean, like I said, we're, we're not doing the print anymore, but it, it was never on the newsstand. It was really yeah. something that you would pick up at a trade show or you would have a direct subscription. So it's very inside. And now that it's on the web, it's a little more out there, so it's not really only speaking to the retailers anymore because anyone can come find it. So whereas maybe we used to talk, you know, six months out, now we're a little bit closer to season because um, the general public is jumping online and, and finding my articles. So we had to right. switch it up a little bit. Yeah. So what kind of artic- uh, pro- articles, what kind of products do you guys look for? I mean, when you're you know, for everybody listening, most of them are emerging designers, have new products, new patents, patented things, and all kinds of interesting widgets and gadgets. And right. um, so, so what what are the you know like the top five or six categories that that you look for? So, just to define accessories magazine, it's pretty much everything but clothing. So, it really you know head down. You think hats hair accessories, um, you know, jewelry, handbags, jewelry and handbags for some reason get the most traction. We do touch on shoes. There's a lot of footwear trade magazines, so we're not like super heavy into shoes, but we do talk about, um, you know, sneakers are obviously a big trend. And then we talk a lot about casual footwear, something that a retailer might sell in their store if they're not a shoe store because that becomes a whole different animal to deal with sizing and seating and all that. But again, shoes are very influential for trends, so people still like to see what's happening with shoes. So um, all those categories, belts, we do a little bit with watches. And then there's all these emerging categories. Um, Gifting has really grown. Beauty has really grown as a category because so many retailers, fashion retailers, are adding beauty in their store as an impulse purchase. So the whole definition of what a fashion store might sell has really expanded just beyond, you know, things you would wear. You have all the tech accessories, headphones, you know, cell phone cases to carry your phone, you know, digital speak, you know, uh, wireless speakers that you could plug into mm-hmm. your phone and bring to the beach. You know, it's just it's gotten a lot more fun and it's it's stores tend to be a little bit more lifestyle driven than just product driven. You don't even really have stores that are just accessories the way you would have like fine jewelry stores that are just fine jewelry. You know, accessories, a fashion store really has accessories. It's usually about 10% of their assortment. So we don't do too much with the real high-end fine jewelry that you'd see in a fine jeweler. It's mm-hmm. more um, not every day. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll sometimes show something that might have diamonds in it, but it would be something very wearable. We wouldn't do a thing on diamond rings, you know, engagement rings, something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I love that stores are taking this different trend these days because <laughs> you don't have to go to so, 10 different stores to find the things that you need. Exactly. It's, it's actually really smart. Um, it's kind of like, you know, looking at Amazon in a store in real life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about the nitty gritty and what, um, like, how how do you like, you know, do you like being pitched by product designers themselves, or do you prefer to be pitched by a publicist? Um, what what do you what do you usually see, and what what kind of works best? Okay, so I don't really have a preference. I would say ninety 
8% I'm probably pitched by the publicists just because they're the ones that you hire and they have these lists of how to reach people. So I would say mostly it comes from them, but I have no problem being pitched by someone who says, you know, I'm, I'm a new designer and, th you know, this is me and this is my line. But I, I will say if you do get pitched by a designer, it can seem a little bit, you know, as an editor, you want to make sure that this person can really deliver. You know, they're not brand new, just making a few pieces in their kitchen. You know, mm -hmm. if we're going to put it up online and Macy's is going to see it and they want to be able to order a significant chunk, not that you have to be like a huge designer, but I think if you do have a publicist, it, it lends a little bit of credibility. You know, credibility that you're a bigger company and you've hired a publicist. But again, you know, that said, I think editors are always looking for things that are new, and sometimes you find amazing things just diamond in the rough. So I, I sh you shouldn't feel that you can't pitch me if um, it's not coming through a publicist. Mm -hmm. Great. <laughs> so what are you, because I know in the, in the very beginning when I had my handbag company, I was working with a publicist who had approached me, and she had been doing beauty for many years and wanted to get into fashion, and she's like, I'll do your brand for free because I need to practice on someone. I was like, I had even no idea what a publicist was <laughs> at that time. And I was like, sure, sounds great. <laughs> and I didn't have to pay her anything. And, you know, and she already knew how to do the job. She just didn't have right. the connections, you know, that I needed. And so she used me as her guinea pig. But. Well, the thing about publicists, too, you know, they, they have all the connections, but they also have a lot of clients. And so... You know, it's the same thing of a designer who wants to go direct or a designer wants to be in a showroom with other designers. You know, it's a decision you have to make that this person's working for you, but they're also working for a lot of clients. Right. And you're just doing your own work. You know, you're the most passionate about it. You understand it the most. You could answer any question. You know, when I ask publicists a question, they always say, let me get back to you. I have to go back to the designer. You know, it's just that extra middleman in between. So right. again, it's not right or wrong. It's just a little bit of a different process. approach. Right, yeah. Well, so what do you look for in a pitch? If, if somebody, you know, if someone listening was going to pitch you, you know, how do you, you know, what works best? Short and sweet, long and detailed? Right. Uh, I, I have a lot to say on this. I've actually yeah. done panels on how to pitch an editor. I always say the best pitches are the ones that come from publicists who used to be editors. I always say to them, you used to be an editor because you can tell they know exactly what you're looking for. Um, and like, I don't like when people say to me, can I send you a pitch? Because then I have to write back and say yes, and then they have to send it to me. You know, just send it. And it should include a picture. You know, it should, it should basically, they shouldn't say, can I send you pictures? They should just send some attachments or send a link to attachments, and I actually always advise people to put at least one picture embedded in the body copy because a lot of times I'm reading on my phone or on the train, and I don't want to download the whole, you know, I'm not necessarily going to open the link on the train or download the PDF or download all the pictures, but I still want to see if it's something I would want to come back to. So it's nice when I'm reading the body copy if I can kind of see what I'm reading, so it helps me put the text in context a little bit. Mm -hmm. so Visual should, speak a thousand words. Right? Well, it's true because, it, you know, say it's just it's a jewelry line. You know, there's a million jewelry lines. But when you see the visual, it helps you understand it. So yes. what, what I find I'm getting a lot more of these days, so people usually send me 
product images shot on white, you know, white background. And then you, you have it. It's very clean. It's very simple. But I feel like more and more I'm getting lifestyle images, which is done with a model, which again could be more costly, but it helps set the mood. But you could also do even product shots. Sometimes people take stuff to the beach and they set it up in the sand, and it just helps you tell your story a little bit better if that goes with your story. You know, if it's a very edgy line, people kind of shoot something on the street. You know, it just, again, helps set the mood. But so it, so it should have the, you know, the basic who, what, when, where, you know, who, who is a designer, what's her story, what's her hook. You know, editors are very, very busy. And I always say some stories just write themselves. It's like a great story. It was, you know, someone worked on Wall Street and she couldn't find anything that was feminine. And then so she started creating her own line and then she quit her company and started her own line. You know, that's a story that writes itself. You know, it has a good mm-hmm. hook, has a, a, you know, personal interest. They include the prices. They include what it's made of. So I don't have to go back and say, what's the price? Or if they send me a handbag, is it leather or is it, you know, fake leather? Like, what am I looking at? Because if they don't send me the price and they don't give me the materials, it's just one extra step I have to take to sure. email back and forth to get that information. So my, my advice is really, you know, provide as much information as you can. Provide a quote from the designer because sometimes I don't have time to call every designer and do a personal interview. And if someone sends me the information and the backstory and there's a great quote and a link to the website and a link to pictures, you know, with a picture embedded, like I said, you know, it, it's all there. It's done. And usually what I like to do is cross-reference it with their Instagram account. And usually, because I recently learned how to really nicely embed an Instagram picture. And I think that's a nice way to show a bit of what the brand, how the brand is saying it. And then it's, it also becomes a live link. So when someone reads that and they click on that Instagram picture, it'll take them to that designer's Instagram page. So I think it's mm-hmm. a nice service for the designer. It's a nice service for the retailer because they're going to check out the Instagram anyway. So I like to be able to provide links. But again, just, you know, the information has to be there. It has to, and, and a compelling story is always nice. You know, I do in my newsletter, um, and, and if you guys sign up for it, you'll see it. I, it always kicks off with an item of the day. Mm-hmm. So an item of the day is usually something in the industry they they. I don't want to use the word gimmick because that's not the right word, but they say an item. So they'd say, um, I'm trying to think of an example. You know, maybe it's like a unique belt that has something hanging off it. That would be an item. You know, it's something that doesn't really fit into any other car- category or a, a collar that snaps on, you know, or cuffs that snap on, you know, something that's a little different. Mm-hmm. So those, those are things I like to do for the item of the day because, it's, again, it's a real item. But then sometimes I just do something that I think is really pretty and, and eye-catchy. You know, the whole industry can't be itemy and gimmicky. It also right. has to be just beautiful things. And, again, I like to mix it up with designers that people know and then here's something from their new line that you haven't seen and then mix it up with a designer that nobody's heard of. So, again, it's and it, you know, I'm speaking for myself, but I would think with all editors it's, they try to strike the balance. You know, you want to give people things that they're comfortable with. You know, people want to see what's new at Michael Kors or what's new at Coach or, you know, what's new at Rebecca Minkoff. But then you also want to discover um, new people. Because now with, right. with the Internet, you can buy things online. You don't, you don't even have to necessarily go to 
a store, there's so much more direct selling directly from the designers too. Exactly. Stores are so fun though. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So one thing that you just touched lightly on, and I want to kind of swing back to that, is social media. Mm -hmm. And um, how important is it for brands to really work their social, like their Instagram or Facebook, um, you know, when looking, like, you know, for you, for example, you know, whether it's you or a store mm-hmm. who's seen it in your magazine, right, are they, are you and or the store, both of you, going to take a look at their social and use that kind of as a, as a judge as to, as, you know, to see if their product or product line is popular? Yeah, I would say, well, if it's, if it's very popular, that's a huge plus because let's say Macy's wants to pick up a new line and, they're, and, and I'm using Macy's as an example because they're a really big store that always dealt with national brands, but now they're starting to have these smaller, you know, a lot of big stores and Nordstrom, they do Poppin' at Nordstrom and mm-hmm. stores. Um, Macy's just hired Rachel Sheckman from Story to create these kind of indie areas. So even a big store like that is looking for smaller brands. So if it's a brand that has a big following, that's a huge plus for them. Because maybe the brand would say, hey, I just got into Macy's and they'll put it on their Instagram. So it becomes like this cross cross promotion. Right. I love when I do a trend piece and the, I always send it out to the designer and say, hey, you're in our trend finder this week. You know, we put in eight people on a trend on such and such. And then they like to put it on their Instagram. And they're, oh, we're so honored. We're in Accessories Magazine. And then I get all those trackbacks and those hits. So it's kind of like everyone's helping each other out. So it definitely does help legitimize it if, if, a, if the brand has a decent amount of followers. And again, I, I think it helps retailers and editors understand the brand a little bit better when you're not just looking at a line sheet images, you know, you're really seeing a little bit more about them, about their personality, because so much of it really comes down to storytelling. Mm -hmm. And if you're a boutique owner and you pick up a new line, it's nice if you can tell that story to your clients, to your customers that come in. So I think everyone's hungry for stories. You know, editors are looking for stories. The retailers are looking for stories. And maybe if someone had a very interesting story or you know, they just have, maybe they're a twin and the two twins design and I don't know, you know, crazy. And they think, yeah. oh, it's so interesting to have these twins come into my store and do a personal appearance. You know, it's not just about the product. It becomes about the people designing the product as well. And I know that mm-hmm. retailers definitely spend time going through Instagram looking for new brands. Um, I try to spend time doing that. I just don't have all the time. But yeah, there are that, that's like their full-time job. They're just sure. a media person, and they're just scouting new, new companies. Right. Sounds kind of like a fun job. Um, <laughs> yeah, all day. I don't know. You, you might be broke with all the money that you want to spend and all the cool new stuff that you find. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, so here's another kind of off the beaten track question. So you just mentioned that you know the stores like to see the face of the brand, and I'm sure that you know magazines do too. What mm-hmm. if people don't feel like they're pretty enough or sexy enough or they're not the right, you know, what if they're, you know, 50 divide, designing something that's for 18-year-olds and they can't really be the face of their company because, you know, it doesn't really resonate? Right. What do you and do that's, then? That's a good question. And I don't usually show 
designer pictures actually because I really I would say 99% of the time I'm just showing the product mm -hmm. so I mean I, I see what you mean I mean I'm not a 25 year old fashionista either you know and sometimes I don't always want to put myself in the social media but I have to because people do like to see the face behind the brand but yeah I sure. would say if, if, if somebody feels that they're, they don't totally personify what they're selling, what they're creating, then maybe just stay out of it. Yeah. And not, not choose somebody else to be the face of their company. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't pretend someone else is the designer. I mean, if you're the right. designer, you're the designer. You're not going to pretend it's someone else. But, you know, I yeah. think you can, but I think when you get your lookbooks, you can, let's say you hire a model that really is that, personality you know if it was something very young and edgy you would hire a young edgy person and you would create that story with your images it, the designer mm -hmm. wouldn't really be relevant right know? right so it doesn't really matter like if you go look at someone's bio and their photos not there no not at all yeah yeah so let's talk about unsolicited samples because people are you know all the time are like oh, I just sent this to so-and-so you know and I didn't right. hear back and it's like well yeah, they don't necessarily have to get back to you. So, do you, so what happens if you do you like getting unsolicited samples, or is it a, a big no-no? Do you? No, look I at used them? to get. Well, I used. We don't do photo shoots anymore because now we're just digital. So when I was doing yeah. shoots, I would get a lot more because people would say, "Just keep it." In. We would return everything unless someone said, "Just keep it." But because we were dealing with a lot of you know lower end things that really weren't expensive, and. But we returned everything. But some people would say, well, just keep it in a sample closet if you need a hoop earring, you know, just where it's not going to necessarily tie into this shoot or that shoot. It's just generic. Um, but now people really don't send samples so much. They really just send pictures because mm -hmm. it's just it's expensive to send the samples. The editors might not need them. Or sometimes people say, usually people will ask me, they'll say, I have this new line, it's, it's to die for, you have to feel it, you have to touch it, can I send you samples? And I'm like, just send, send me pictures because it's a lot of work for me to have to unpack everything and then have to deal with shipping it back. That right. I just think it's, it's unnecessary. You know, sometimes people will send a little sample and say, you know, this is for you, you can keep it, I want you to really experience it. I want you to wear it. I want you to fall in love with it, and that's that's something different. I mean, that's considered a gift, not a not a sample. And sure, I would tell people that editors do get a lot of gifts, but I don't think people who send things should expect to be featured because they send a gift. And I I feel that most people most people know that. You know, they'll say. We'd love it if you could share this on social media. Here's our hashtag. Here's our handle. And, you know, people will do that as a favor, but they're not going to do a whole full-page write-up on something. <laughs> they don't like it just because sure. they want them something. And of course. I think, um, and, and, you know, and also I, I think if people send something that they do want back, they should be explicit because I once had a mishap where somebody sent me something she said, can I send you one? It was something I really, I really liked and I was writing about it. And it was very unique and I, I want, she said, I want you to try it out. Can I send you one? And I said, sure. And it came in a, in a nice bag with a bow. So I figured it was a gift. So I had it and I was using it. And then like two months later, she said to me, I never got this back from you. 
And I said, um, you know, I was kind of embarrassed. And I said, well, I didn't realize you wanted it back. And she kind of got in a huff and she said, well, I'm a very small business and I can't afford to be sending editors gifts, this and that. And I said, look, I totally understand. You know, I don't want to keep this if you didn't want me to have it. It just wasn't clear. So usually yeah. when people send a gift, they put a little note, enjoy, XOXO. You know, it, it's always very clear. And if people want it back, they usually say, please check this out for a week. Sometimes they, they supply a return, um, return label. Mm -hmm. you know, please, and please send this back. And again, editors are fine with sending things back, but I think you can't assume people will know what, what you're thinking. And I kind of learned my lesson from that, to, that people just really need to be very clear. Yeah. Clear, clear is good. <laughs> and not clear is confusing. Uh, yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, I, it's so funny. I mean, I can't imagine asking someone to try something out and wear it and use it and then ask them to send it back. <laughs> yeah, well, it was an accessory. It wasn't clothing. It wasn't like a wearable. That no, but still, yeah. I mean, even if it was a, you know, it was a handbag or something, you know, I would just say, hey, try it, use it. If you love it, write about it. Exactly. Um, anyway, yeah. it was one of those things. That doesn't happen often, but I just my advice to people, if you do want to send something and you want it back, just be be clear about it. Yeah. So what about follow-up? I mean, what do you feel is, you know, if somebody sent you an email and said, hey, check out my cool thing, and they didn't hear back from you, and, you know, how often is, is too, you know, how much is too often and, and how much is, is not? Okay. So I don't think there's really a right answer for this. I, I like the follow-up because I am just, I'm like a one-person show, and I am just inundated with hundreds hundreds of emails, and I just can't keep track of them all. And sometimes things fall to the bottom of the pile because you, you might get something and think, oh, this is interesting. Maybe I'll write this up. And then in the next three days, you get 50 new pitches, and things right. just kind of fall by the wayside. So a lot of times people will, especially the publicists, because they're, you know, they're paid to get their stuff placed. So they, they might be a little more aggressive, and they'll say, just circling back. I just want to get this to the top of the pile. I know you're busy. But, you know, I just want to make sure you saw this. And a lot of times I didn't see it because maybe I clicked on another email further down and it, like, made all the ones above it un unclicked. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> it looked like they were read, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that's just a glitch where I, I literally don't see things. So I actually mm -hmm. appreciate when people follow up with me. And, and I actually prefer, and here's another good piece of advice, when people – it drives me crazy when people send me a follow-up and say, just following up, did you get my email? Because then I have to With search no. their email, which takes forever. Right. I have thousands of emails. I like when they just resend the whole pitch and right. just say, just making sure you sent this, I'm resending it. So all the pictures are resent. All the text is right there. Just like My advice is just make things easy for people because if it's more work, and everyone's just swamped and everyone's chasing deadlines, they might pick something that's just easier to get to. Right, of course. And um, I was going to ask you one more thing. Um, so, so we've got the, so we kind of went through um, how to pitch, what, mm -hmm. you know, putting the photos in the emails, um, making sure that there's also a link in there if you want to mm -hmm. look further, right? Um, making sure that you've got yourself on social, that you're, you know, getting some action over there. Um, 
and and also that you're pitching the right thing to the right editors. Obviously, people aren't you know aren't nobody listening is going to send you clothing because that's not your gig. Um, and um, and then keep following up. And um, what oh, I was going to ask you, what about sending you a hard copy of a line sheet by snail mail? Do you like to get those, or do you just prefer everything by email? It's very rare that people send me hard copies. I don't like it. Well, first of all, I don't like it because we have an agile office situation where we kind of share desks, and we don't even have um, offices anymore. And this is kind of the new wave where everyone's just plugs in their laptop to a dock. So mm -hmm. the less stuff you have, the better. And you know what I do when I'm working on all different trend pages at once, because I do every week a trend finder. So I, I do those every week, and I'm always working on like 10 at once. And then every month I do style guides. When people send me lookbooks, I, I say, oh, here's plaid. I'm working on a plaid story in a month. So I'll pull it into the plaid folder to revisit it in a month. So I'm always pulling digital, digital folders and digital digital files into folders. So if it comes by snail mail, then I have to call the person, track them down, ask them to send me a digital, and then I don't even have, half the time people send me stuff, they don't even have their email on it. You know, I sometimes <laughs> get catalogs that don't have any contact information, so that drives right. me crazy. But I will say yeah. one thing. Um, Another really important bit of advice when you pitch something is it should, if it has a timely hook, is very helpful. Because sometimes I, I learn about things that are happening that are timely because the publicists are so on top of it. Like someone might pitch me and say, because I was actually, this is a funny story, I was working on a trend finder on rainbows. There's a big trend of just rainbows, rainbow stripes, and rainbow, actual rainbows. But then I started getting all these pitches saying, oh, well, June is Pride Month. And here's some great rainbow items that we have that are either directly related to Pride, like they donate money to the LG, you know, the, the cause, or they're just more um, generic for Pride. And then I started saying, mm -hmm. oh, my God, I should take this rainbow thing I'm working on and turn it into this whole Pride thing. So sometimes I'm not always aware, or I will be aware, but I work a little further ahead of when things sometimes catch up, or like the royal wedding. People would say, oh, I'm sure you're working on a royal wedding story. Here's some fascinator hats that you might want to write about, because maybe you're doing a story on what to wear to your royal wedding viewing party. And that's yeah. why publicists, who are the, the best ones, are the ones who are editors, because they're thinking, well, if I were an editor, I'd be writing a story on this. And millennial right. pink and Gen Z yellow, oh, you must be working on a story on yellow, so here's a bunch of my clients that have items that are yellow. So, so I actually, um, I got a pitch from a company for the, um, the rainbows, and it was um, a company called Cake Jar Nation, and they make these cakes in, like, mason jars. So uh -huh. cake, and it had, like, the Roy G. Biv, what is that, seven, like, seven layers, all the different colors of the rainbow. So... They said, if you're working on a story on pride accessories, maybe this would work. And I was like, I wasn't even going to open it because I'm thinking it's cake. It has nothing right. to do with accessories. But I opened it, and it was so great because it was just that beautiful, you know, those bold stripes. And then when I wrote it up as like, if you're having a, a pride party, you could serve this at your party. You know, and again, it might be something a store might pick up if they're doing a whole pride display. So, sure. You know, it's a little outside the box, but it was a good example of someone who wasn't afraid to pitch something that was a little different from what they thought I might need, and it actually worked. I love that. Uh, and, I, and I really like that advice 
too, about thinking about the future and what, you know, what's coming up in the media, you know, and, and, and world, you know, just kind of, you know, all kinds of world events that may affect And the holidays, fashion. too. You have, you have to think about lead time. Like, I don't like when someone pitches me in February 10th about something for, here's for your Valentine's Day story. You know, right. because we're doing, again, because we're trade, the stores want to pick it up early. So we'll do things a little bit before. So, you know, if you're pitching to a magazine for print, you want to pitch it a few months before. If you're doing, they call it long lead. And if it's digital, it's short lead. You know, so you have to think about who you're sending to and you have to tailor it accordingly. So cause sometimes I get pitches about something and I'm like, I wrote that up a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> can you add it in? Right. You know I can't add it in. It's done. I've moved on. Right, you know? yeah. I mean, like you're probably looking at Labor Day or something already. Yeah, well, I'm working on fall. Um, yeah. But again, because, so the print was always very far ahead, but like I said, because the digital is more immediate and consumers mm-hmm. do find it, I, I do try to keep the web more timely so they don't click on it and it's not available. Um, right. Like in October, you're not showing you're not showing stuff that's available in stores in March. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so again, it is that, or it, it is a bit of that balancing act. One more thing I want to say, what drives an editor absolutely crazy, because I wrote this down in my notes: spelling mistakes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I can tell you, and every editor, we all joke about this. People send me invitations all the time, product launches, parties, breakfast, lunches, and you're invited, Y-O-U-R, means I'm yeah. not coming. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, it's not even funny. It really like, I, I can imagine. we're all English majors and we're all writers, and I know it sounds snobby, but it really makes us nuts. So, like, yes. the spelling should be correct and make sure the links work. You know, if you put a link to the website, just check it. Sometimes I click on it and the link doesn't work, and I, I always send them back. I say, just so you know, this link doesn't work. Happened to me today. I sent a whole press. Someone sent me a press thing. I sent back with a whole bunch of questions on this link, and it bounced back as not working. And I sent to them, oh. I just want you to know um, your link's not working. So I try to be. It wasn't trying to be like nasty about it. I just was trying to be constructive because I of think course. people won't be able to reach them if, right. they, if you know they can. And you know everyone's so busy. I understand spelling mistakes, but this "you're invited," I would say yes. like thirty-five percent of the emails I get that spell "you're invited" wrong, and it really makes mm. me nuts. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I can I understand. My sister was a publicist. I've been a publicist for many years, and that was one of her big pet peeves all the time with uh, anything I wrote she was constantly correcting not not your and your that I do know the difference between <laughs> Phew, thank well, God. The difference, they oh. just get it wrong I don't know maybe of they course don't. and I think a lot of people these days um, it, it depend on spell check and spell check unless it's doing a grammar check isn't going to catch your and your because they're you know, both I correct that, you know my industry is very international there's a lot of designers from overseas or people who've moved to New York and they're trying to make it. So I understand if English is their second language, you know, we're not so hardcore that it has to be, you know, winning um, journalism. But, you know, it it should be polished because I think it looks more professional. I mean, it's like anything. It's like sending a resume. You You want it to be polished. Yeah, and reflect what you want it to reflect about you and your company. Exactly. 
Yeah. Well, Lauren, thank you so much. This was really informative, and I appreciate the time out of your busy, busy schedule to do this. And um, I will look forward to being uh, following up with you and talking to you again soon. Oh, and can I plug my um, my Instagram? It's at Accessories Mag. Yes, of course, and we'll definitely put it in the show notes too. We'll put all your links. Right. Um, and they have an awesome Instagram page. It's super fun, and um, I really appreciate this. So I will catch up with you soon. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to A Street Smart MBA with Sarah Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime, anywhere. And we'll see you on the next one.